Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Tot Tottenham. As far as Mondays go, it was pretty good yesterday. Newcastle beating Arsenal 2-0 at St James's Park to give Tottenham an advantage going into the final day to secure the final Champions League place. Alistair Gold joining me as ever. One of the bad starts of the week at all, was it? <laughs> Especially for Robert Guest, who's uh, being very modest and hasn't even mentioned it in the opening of the show, which I thought he would, but we may have to retitle this podcast Gold and Goal-Scoring Guest Talk Tottenham because Guesty and I, if you haven't seen the photos on social media yet, were very fortunate enough to play in a match at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yesterday and a certain Robert Guest, uh, how do I put this? How do I describe it? I mean, we're used to describing goals, but... It was a, a perfectly arcing lob over the advancing goalkeeper into the back of the net in front of the south stand. Um, and it was it was the perfect Monday for Robert Guest. It really was uh, a phenomenal goal and uh, a brilliant experience, actually. We're, we're, just, we're going to have a little chat about that first, just purely because we know if you listen to this, you're probably a Spurs fan. So... You know, to kind of get an idea of what it might be like to play a match at a stadium from two people's eyes who definitely are not professional footballers uh, might give you a little sense of the occasion. So go on, Guesty, talk about it. Tell us about your experience at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It, it was great. I played at Goodison before and that was fantastic. And did you score at Goodison? <laughs> Uh, I did, but it, oh. it was uh, ruled out for offside. Never in a million years was that offside. Uh, <laughs> so this was your redemption? Yeah, and to be honest, not a bad goal. Uh, very a bit of redemption, goal. was it? Even but, Ledley King. I should point out, Ledley King was managing our side against Gary Mabbott's side, and Ledley King went, ooh, when he scored that goal. He made that noise when you scored. I didn't know that, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a really, really good day out. Uh, I think w what I find anyway with them, you know, you recognise where you're playing for like five, ten minutes, then just you're focused on the match. You could be playing in a park, Tottenham yeah. Hotspur Stadium, it doesn't matter, you just focused on the match. But, but to be fair, you know, that's probably because of the absence of 60,000 fans in the stands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I don't support Tottenham and I really enjoyed the day and I think everyone who does support Tottenham who were there and I think there were a number of Tottenham fans, you know, that will have been uh, a dream come true for many. And I know you were desperate to score, weren't you? <laughs> well, of course. You know, I grew up a Spurs fan, of course. So it would have been lovely. That was why I deliberately planned in the warm-up. After we'd done our warm-ups, we kind of went across and I whacked a... A lovely shot into the bottom corner. It meant absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of the day, but I just knew that I had that in the bank at least so I could say I scored at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium regardless of the match. Um, yes, I had one moment that will um, absolutely um, replaying over in my head all night and probably for the rest of my life if I never get to experience that again. Um I mean, I should explain very quickly kind of the setup of it. So it was... About probably about 40 people in all, I'd say, turned up. And they divided us into two squads of about 20 each. Um, like I say, one managed by Ledley King, one managed by um, Gary Mabbott. We were taken off to, we got the home changing room, and that is literally the home changing room, which, you know, the likes of Kane, Sonny, and Christian Romero and all of that will use. 
uh, or do use, which in itself was remarkable. You know, <laughs> just just the silly little details that you don't even think of. Like each bay had, you know, it's like it got a little digital screen above it. It's got all your own little hidden compartments. It's got a wireless charging circle for your phone on top, so those players can get straight back in and look on social media at probably how they're being absolutely torn apart on social media. Um, and in the showers with their kind of sensors. So you walked in front and the shower turned on and an ice cold recovery pool. Um, it was incredible. Um, so, yeah, obviously we did all of that. But then obviously it was it was split up into four quarters, the match. It was about fi- – I'd say it was meant to be 15 minutes, but it probably ended up being about 20. I don't think they really kept to their – their timeline exactly. They were just filling the hour and a half we had on the pitch, really. Um, and of course, what you get with events like this, there were a few journalists, a smattering of journalists. There was Guesty and I, there was Dan Kilpatrick from the Evening Standard, there was Charlie Eccleshare from The Athletic, there were various, um, a few radio journalists, journalists from Business and Lifestyle, and the rest were, I think, employees of Getty who sponsored the event and they're the, the training wear sponsors. So, what you ended up with was a really kind of a strange mixed match of 11 players on each side that never played with each other, 11 players of very varying agree, uh, degrees of ability, um, which is great because it's all, it is all about the experience. But what it did mean that when you got into – because to be fair to Ledley, he was probably trying to do tactical stuff with his coaches, you know. We, we had a 3-5-2 formation. He told us that Gary Mabbott would probably go 4-4-2 because he's old school. And to be fair to him, that's exactly what Gary Mabbott did. He went 4-4-2. But the problem is, is all the beautiful tactical stuff, which, you know, I think probably us as writers, you know, in our heads, we, we play a fair bit of football as well. We probably thought, oh, yeah, you know, we'll stick to these tactics. We'll, we'll play it all out. And then literally get on the pitch. And, and most of the people who probably don't get to play too much football it turns into like a schoolyard game and everyone's like running at the ball and it's like, whoa, this is, how do we make this work? Um, And yeah, so I ended up, uh, to be fair, I'm going to say I played Ledley's tactics exactly as he wanted. His instructions for the strikers were come deep, receive the ball, play it out to the wing, run back into the box for the cross. My problem was, those crosses didn't come. (laughs) I was playing the ball out wide, but either the winger uh, quite understandably as well, might have decided, I'm just going to have a shot. I'm going to get my head down, run and have a shot so I can tell everyone to score at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And I understand that. And in hindsight, I should have listened to Paul Coit. Paul Coit, the um, stadium, uh, the man on the mic you might have heard at half times at Spurs games. He was our compare for the day. And he told us and, and various other people, if you get a chance, just turn and shoot. And I really wish I'd actually listened to that rather than trying to be the good boy, like the cl- the teacher's pet and actually playing to the tactics. Um, so all I have kind of for the day's uh, big moment for me, which I like I say, I replay over and over again, was um, I was being very marked very tightly throughout the game by Dan Kilpatrick, <laughs> who I'll be fair to him. I don't know if he'll end up listening to this or not, but he's, he's, a good, he's a good player. He is a good player. He played very well. Gary Mabbott's team, I would say, Whereas with Ledley, he was swapping our team out constantly. We had a different team for each quarter kind of thing. Whereas Gary Mabbott's team, I think he kind of said, all right, he's a decent player, he's a decent player. And he just left him in. Poor Dan, I saw a few times trying to actually say, can I come off? I'm knackered. And he, he like stayed on the pitch the whole thing. So I had Dan Mark him in. He's a good player. But I had my one moment. This corner came in, a perfectly hit corner. Um, I think it was from a chap called David Dome. 
Uh, Doom, who's a um, uh, radio presenter chap on, I think he's on LBC or used to be on TalkSport, hit a perfect curling corner into the box. I managed to shake off the attentions of Dan, leapt up like an absolutely knackered salmon, um, got my head to it, glanced their header right across the face of goal and inches past the left-hand post. It was one of those moments where if I could replay that and just get a better, a slightly better, more powerful contact on it, I really wish I had. So, yeah, you know, it was one of those things, but it's not to detract from the experience, which was class. We won 2-1 um, on the day. Charlie Eccleshare from the Athletic. What? Technically, I told someone on the side he'd scored. I think he admitted himself it was probably slightly more of an own goal, but... Uh, it's down there in the record books for Charlie as a goal. And he played well as well. I, th- I thought you, you, he, he played well. You had a very good game. You were the engine room in the midfield. I think what we should have done, because Guesty and I never actually got to play on the pitch at the same time, which was a big shame because of the way it worked out. And I, I wish that rather than say I'll play in my normal role, which is a striker, I wish I'd said I'd play in midfield because you get more of the ball, you get more involved, and you don't have to worry about the passes coming through. Um, but what I would say is, just as a closing thing from me, you know, I, I play quite a lot of football. You know, I used to play Sunday League, and I know that's a very low level, but I used to play that. And every week I play seven aside and five aside twice a week. It means zero when you step onto a Premier League pitch of that size. It's inc- it's huge. It is absolutely huge. Like I was exactly the same as you. Once you're a couple of minutes in, you kind of forget where you are because because there's no fans. I think that does play a part. But there was one point, because we literally had no formation, I had to sprint back from the edge of the opposition box to our own box to track a guy running down the wing. And I got in the tackle, got myself a a clap from Ledley, which maybe I'll take that as my moment of the match. (laughs) But I must admit, the moment after I tackled, I was breathing so deep. I felt like I'd run a marathon. Just sprinting from one box to the other was just incredible. But... uh... No, brilliant day. And honestly, I was made up for you when that goal went in. As much as I would have loved to score, but to see you score and a goal of that quality in front of the South Stand, I properly cheered. And what made me laugh, just just so everyone knows, had I scored that goal, I would have probably run all the way up to the Skywalk and bellowed across London to let everyone know I'd scored. Robert Guest scores the goal, turns around, trots back to the centre circle as if it's just an everyday thing. Uh, it was incredible. Oh, actually, I did have one moment to be the villain right at the end um, or re- end of our quarter. I think I spread the ball out wide to our winger. He knocked it inside to a midfielder, marauding run into the box. I'm kind of screaming, like, pass, I'm free in the box. And to be completely fair to him and understandably, he he took the shot and he did it. It went past the keeper and it was rolling really slowly into the net. And it was one of those moments where I thought, I could so tap this in right now. <laughs> And I could steal his moment. And t- so I could tell the gra- the f- my future grandchildren I scored at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But I did the good thing and I let him do it. And he went and did a fantastic knee slide into the corner. He was a Spurs fan and it meant everything to him. So uh, that was brilliant for him. And it was. I think for us, it gave us a little, a little taste of... Because, you know, we write about people. We could be critical of these Premier League players. Maybe the next time we write a little report, we'll uh, we'll think, oh, do you know what? Maybe it's not as easy as it seems. Because we all come out with that, you know, all fans do, oh, I could do a better job. No. No, we couldn't. <laughs> or maybe guessed it, lobbing the keeper. What play rating would you give yourself then, since you well, do it every game? 
my player rating, I think I'd give myself a six with the comment, you know, did what was asked of him, but didn't have too many opportunities. I'd probably, I think I'd give you an eight. I think I'd give you an eight. I think you played very well. I'm sure you'll listen to this, but I might actually give Dan a nine. I I thought he played well. I don't think he's normally a defender, but he stepped back there and he was essentially marshalling a back line of uh, players who clearly maybe didn't play in defence too much and he did well. Charlie was probably, I'd give Charlie a seven. I thought he had an energetic game in the midfield. Um, And then obviously we had this big lad at the back who they kept calling, Gary Mabbott kept calling him Yap Stam. And he was he was excellent. I know Ledley went into him, uh, went up to him in the changing room afterwards, and said, "Oh, you know, so like a few years younger kind of thing." I'd be taking your number down and getting you signed up for someone, which was the level he was at. It was very good. I should also point out it was mixed teams as well. We had uh, I think we had two ladies on each side, didn't we as well? Uh, they uh, very good. But we had one big chance for one of them. Um, obviously, we don't know that. Don't mo- know most of the people's names, but she had a big chance. She could have scored. I think she was opposition team, wasn't she? Um, she had a big chance, ran into the box, and uh, yeah, it's just a great day. Great day. No, it was. It was uh, brilliant. I think when you're playing in a game like that, operate with a shoot on sight policy. <laughs> yeah, I've learned my so, lesson. Yeah, it's either I go from about what 25 yards out right at the end of the first half, whisk her away from top corner. Yeah, well. did you ever shot in the? Th- the art um, in the second period you played as well. I seem to remember something, yeah. Right at the end, uh, yeah. Cross came in, uh, Chris oh, Cowan yeah. was playing. I thought he was getting his head on it and literally just missed him by like a matter of inches. Then just had to try and react, connected well with it, but no, nowhere near. But no, it was uh, a great, great day. I'm just hoping there's some video evidence of that goal <laughs> and uh, Antonio Conte seen it. Head of Norwich on Sunday. Obviously, yeah. Spurs, Spurs need the players at the moment. They do. They are short on first team players, you know. And, and you know, I'd say he, he'd call you a player he can count on. Definitely, I would say. <laughs> I would say it would it would be the ultimate way to end the season. They draft us onto the bench um, because they're so short in numbers. That's not going to happen, everyone. That's not in any shape or form. But it was great. It was brilliant. And honestly, if you ever have the chance, if anyone gets gives you an invite, you're as a guest or anything, to go to one of these kind of sponsor events on the pitch, do it because it is something you remember the rest of your life. I will, uh, as well as that glancing head up, I will remember the actual day itself because it was incredible. I mean, how many times can you say you get to do all the things a Premier League player does? It's, it was amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, anyway, to round off a good Monday, Newcastle United doing Tottenham a huge, huge favourite St James's Park last night with a, a 2 0 win over Arsenal. Obviously, Spurs went into the game with that two point advantage uh, over Arsenal following the 3 0 North London derby win, which we'll get onto later on in the show. And then, obviously, Arsenal went into the game knowing that they had to get a win, really, uh, because a draw and it was very much advantage Spurs going into uh, the last game. And I mean, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch any of it last night because I was stuck on a train for a number of hours, but uh, I kept up to date with it on Twitter and very much sounded like it was all Newcastle and Arsenal just didn't really seem to get going. Yeah, it was. No, I, I, was, I was watching the whole game. It was... Such an uncomfortable game to watch because obviously we've got so much invested in it, uh, kind of thing, in, in wanting Arsenal to lose, really, because 
No, well, just for Spurs, really, because we all want to be back in that Champions League, you know, whether it's as fans or journalists or whatever. Um, Arsenal were terrible. I'd go as far to say that. They were shocking for a team. Look, I know they've got some injury problems and things like that, but I'd actually say the, the worst part of their game was just going forward. And that's where they haven't really got issues. There was a match where they really had to show up, um, take the, any pressure there was, and just kind of do the job. It's a bit like, <sighs> I was almost going to say, you know, it's the kind of thing associated with Tottenham really is crumbling under those moments of pressure. But to be fair to Spurs, the last two games, the pressure has been heaped on them and they've come through it. They've, they've shown a real strong mentality and, you know, say what you want about it. I saw Arsenal fans after the Burnley match, go, oh, you scraped past Burnley with a dodgy penalty and all that. It's like, they did the job. So then to go to Newcastle, and for Newcastle, very much they turned it into a bit of a party atmosphere at St. James's Park. You know, it was a full house, TIFOs everywhere, flags, all of this. And it was very much uh, we want to end this season in style at home and look forward to next season. And boy, did they. They were, they were very, very good on the night. Arsenal, I'm trying to even think of a, an opportunity they had that tested the goalkeeper, Arsenal. I can't think of one. I've seen Jacker. Jacker did his interview afterwards and absolutely slated all his kind of players, fellow players. Um, and I think, to be fair, probably understandably, um, they just didn't turn up. And when you look at it, what was it? Three games ago? Not even that. Yeah, th uh, two games ago. Two games ago, how that table looked. To what it does now and you know we've had Antonio Conte talking about the miracle the miracle he keeps telling us it sounds a bit like the meerkat from the adverts um, but he keeps telling us about it and it, it could it's almost there I'm not going to say it is because I've still got to go to Norwich and get a point yes the golden guest famous phrase of on paper they should be going there and you know quite frankly if they don't go there and get loose to the point, then they don't really deserve Champions League football, to be honest. But to have got themselves into that position now on the final day, having to get a point to secure a top four finish, it's incredible for Tottenham. It really could be. It'd be such a, you know, Conte called it the other day, didn't he, life-changing if they get into the Champions League. And I think it is a game-changer for Spurs. I think it really is. Well, I was saying to you on the phone the other day after the North London derby, is it going to be a similar situation as it was six years ago when Spurs went to Stamford Bridge, the famous Battle of the Bridge and the Drew, yeah, and then really in the final did, yeah. two games, they just folded, really. Mm. And we're saying given the manner of the defeat at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Thursday, where Arsenal just potentially just go into collapse and as I said I didn't watch any of the game but from what you say what everyone else has said it was all all Newcastle really and oh, that's awesome. a game when Arsenal you know should be taking it by the scruff of the neck from the very first minute you know doing anything that they can to get the three points on the board and they've not done that uh, Arsenal have had an excellent season uh, don't think you can deny that especially with such a, a young team and the way even probably tipped to be anywhere near the top four so I think they've overachieved this season and you know it's always a tough game going to St James's Park Newcastle have really kicked on on the under Eddie Howe uh, I think around the top half now 
Maybe. Yeah, yeah, almost there, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they've had a, a really good season. So I always fancied Arsenal to drop points at St. James's and potentially even against Everton on well, the final I was about day. To say. This is it. I'm talking about Spurs needing a point, but actually, that's only if Arsenal beat Everton, which I do think there's going to be a reaction from Everton. Uh, obviously, it depends. You've got Palace, haven't you, in midweek as well. I mean, it depends maybe what happens in that, but. Yeah, I don't think a win is guaranteed in their last game. No, and I mean, how do Arsenal react after last night? So I think mm. pretty much everyone will be thinking, oh, it's game over. Spurs have got the ideal game against their bottom of the table, uh, Norwich City, very much in Tottenham's hands. Obviously, a point at Norwich will be enough unless Arsenal win 16-0 against Everton. <laughs> That's just not going to happen, uh, to be honest. If, if I, take, does, I think questions need to be asked about it. <laughs> I'll take a 15 nil defeat as long as we stay up on Thursday against <laughs> Palace, to be honest. Uh, but no, uh, it's very much in Spurs' hands now and just got to approach it in the right way. Again, like I said last time, just play the game, not the occasion. And I think they'll be fully focused going out playing well and just getting the three points and fingers crossed it will be a, a really really good day at Carrow Road on Sunday Yeah, I was intrigued to see what Arteta was going to say after the game because obviously we saw what happened after North London Derby when it was everyone else's fault uh, but to be fair to him he didn't put up any excuses whatsoever, he just said it just wasn't good enough, just, and it really wasn't and <sighs> Social media is just is, it's just a mess in weeks like this, isn't it? Of rival fans absolutely going to each other because the Arsenal fans, well, they were properly going after the Burnley game. I think they felt that they were going to just roll over the, uh, Newcastle on Monday, which I think everyone had identified that as probably the one that they might slip up in. Um, and then obviously you had all the Spurs fans last night absolutely going mad as well and enjoying things and... I just, I, I'm so wary of stuff like that because you just never know what can happen Sunday. You just never know. Um, Spurs are quite capable of going there and making a mess of things. They really are. We've seen them, you know, go into games this season that they should have done better in and they've messed it up. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Norwich play because there's no need for them to really sit back and, you know, try to grab themselves a, a worthy point. It doesn't really matter in that respect. So I'm intrigued to see whether they just try to still play football or whether Spurs will have to break them down. But to be honest, if they just sit back with no real intention to score a goal, that actually kind of almost suits Spurs as well because a point is fine. Um, so I don't really know which way it's going to go. It'll be interesting to see who Spurs got available. Really, really hope this stomach bug doesn't get any worse and spread itself around the squad a little bit um, because that could be a classic Spurs type thing. Echoes of Lasagna Gate. Um, but yeah, it's uh, what a week. What a week. Everything has changed from that Thursday night. I think we probably said it on the last pod that the potential morale boost to Tottenham and sapping to Arsenal if Spurs could win that North London he could play a huge part that's exactly what's happened they have two teams have gone into completely opposite directions yeah what I will say about Norwich going into Sunday Norwich a bottom one point behind Watford 
spots. Uh, I think Norwich will definitely be going out for the win because they won't want to finish bottom. So, uh, yeah. yeah, what will make it a bit more interesting. But what we'll say is on the final day, there is always twists and turns somewhere. And it's a rather strange final day given potentially we've got the title race. Uh, the title decided to come unless Liverpool lose at Southampton this evening. Top four, very much uh, still there between Tottenham and Arsenal. And then there's relegation as well. Leeds, Burnley and Everton all looking to stay up. Uh, one from those three will drop. So these going to be some twists and turns somewhere on Sunday. And it'll probably go right down to the last minute as it has done in previous years. But for Spurs, just focus on the game. Get the three points. Champions League next season. Oh, it would be fantastic. It really would. It would... Well, I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk about it, no doubt, more as it goes on. But it would be uh, it would be such a validation for all the work that Conte's done since coming in. If they could get that fourth place, it'd be incredible. Right, before we get on to the Burnley win, as you've probably heard in the past couple of podcasts, we've got a new sponsor, NordVPN. Ali, do you want to do the honours again and uh, let everyone know what a VPN is? Yeah, of course. So a VPN, if you're not aware of it, it's uh, a virtual private network. Um, It's a service that protects your internet connection and the privacy online of what you do. Uh, In official speak, it creates an encrypted tunnel for your data, protects your online identity by hiding your IP address, and allows you to use public Wi-Fi hotspots safely. Um, In terms of other cool things you can do when you're using NordVPN, it's, well, essentially, you can access kind of content wherever in the world you want because the beauty of a virtual private network is that you can, your computer will think that you are wherever you want it to be. So I've had to play around on it and I've, I've been based in New York at one point. I've been based in Singapore. Um, I had to use NordVPN, actually, when I went on the um, pre-season tour to Shanghai a few years back uh, with Spurs because they don't allow access there um, through their own kind of networks to to various social media things. So to be able for us to do our work, I had to uh, be able to access social media stuff. And, And I used a VPN, and it was very good. But I know some people that use it to, let's say, I don't know, watch various TV streaming services from other countries so you get different programs and things like that. Or I think people also use it for watching football in various different countries and watching their services and how they do it. Um, it's a very cool thing. Um, and I have had a, a good good kind of play with it in, in recent weeks since we got our uh, opportunity to. And I know Guesty at the end of the show is going to give you a, a special code, which means you can get it for a a nicely reduced rate, um, and yeah, you know, lots of very useful things that it does as well. Have a little Google, see what it's all about, and uh, yeah, if it's something that tickles your fancy, like I say, guess he'll give you a good old whacking discount at the end. The salesman that he is. Right, let's get back on to the football and the Burnley game on Sunday. A slender 1-0 win, Harry Kane scoring a penalty deep into first half, stoppage time. Uh, I wasn't at the game on Sunday. I was listening on the radio instead. I, I went to Goodison instead. Priorities. Uh, <clears throat> Look at those yeah. priorities. They needed me to help them get over the line. Uh, so, yeah, that's where I was on Sunday. So How did it work me- out, you helping them get over the line? <laughs> uh, not really well, to be honest. 
But we'll go again Thursday. Yes. Well, they might need to draft you in up front. Yeah. To be honest, if we can get the video, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have to send it over, see if uh, Frank can have a look at it. Well, better, yeah. better goal than Calvert-Lewin's, whatever that was, using his chest. Yeah. And Rondon's out as well. He's suspended. So, yeah. There is a space. This is it. Yeah, We've played at Goodison yeah. Park already. Right. <laughs> since you since you were in the press box, uh, do you want to just give us your thoughts, first of all, on the 1-0 win? Yeah, it was it was one of those games where there was a little bit of fear it would be kind of a, after the Lord Mayor show. You know, you just had North London derby, one of the best atmospheres probably ever at a match at the Spurs, the new Spurs stadium. Incredible evening. Everything went Spurs way. The dream first half, two goals, man sent off. And you're kind of worried that going into Sunday, early kickoff, 12 o'clock kickoff, which was utterly ridiculous. Not only for the Spurs fans, but the poor Burnley fans. That There, were no, there was no public transport from Burnley that would have got them there in time. Um, and that's why you saw a greatly reduced number. Um, um, and on the Burnley fans, we should stay, of course. We definitely can't gloss over it. There was a, a couple of them arrested after the game for doing such a disgusting gestures quite frankly um, you'll have seen it on social media but thankfully I think from what I can tell from people that are in the area a lot of the Burnley fans around them were very angry with them as well so this wasn't you know a slur against the Burnley fans very much they were their own were very just you know upset with them and they were dealt with quickly both arrested and uh, thankfully that all got sorted out but very unpleasant um but yeah in terms of the actual numbers of Burnley fans there weren't that many because of the the transport issues so that meant it was an even bigger Spurs element in the crowd um Spurs started quite brightly they they really went at Burnley they had a few kind of early opportunities um even Emerson had a shot tipped over from uh, about 25 yards um Sonny had a couple of good chances um in the end, though, it got a bit nervy. It did because, you know, obviously the penalty itself, uh, I, I didn't really see the issue with it. Um, I just thought his hands were, you know, Ashley Barnes' arms were just like, he was like he was doing a star jump. It's like, I guess I've heard that the Bernie complaints were that he was kind of tussling with Davinson Sanchez just beforehand, but I don't think it was a tussle that that, long after had made Ashley Barnes's arms go in the air. I don't think it was that case at all. He had his arms in the air. The ball hit it. Look, and the interpretation of the rules, that's a penalty. And I, I really didn't understand why they were so angry. I mean, look, I understand the frustration, of course, because they're in a relegation fight and every little thing matters. But in terms of the actual interpretation of the laws, his arm was up there like he was waving for a taxi. And it was like, that's, that, that wasn't an unfortunate hit against his arm by his side. Uh, so obviously, Harry Kane takes a penalty. Beautiful penalty. It was such a good penalty. Uh, right into that bottom corner. Um, and then the second half, there are a few good more opportunities. I thought Ryan Session had another very good game. Really pleased with him. Putting a good cross for... Um, I think he put in one good cross for Kane. One, he teed up Sonny for a couple of chances. But ultimately, it was left to that one goal. And, yeah, late on, I wouldn't say Burnley really threatened because I think the defence did its job, but there was a lot of lump in the ball into the box. And 
And to be fair, this is a quick shout out for Joe Roden. Joe Roden came off the bench for the final few moments. He made a towering, massive header where he kind of got up over two people and headed it away. You probably, I don't even think they would have shown it on Match of the Day or anything like that. Um, it was so important. I'm actually probably going to ask Conte about it in his press conference because for me, that is what will make this season for me. I think it is the people that have had to kind of come in and do jobs here and there and the squad, especially such a thin squad, like Devinson Sanchez. Another, he's, he's played both games instead of Romero and I think he's been really good on the whole and what he's done. Um, so, yeah, it's important to see these kind of, I don't want to call them bit part players because that's not fair, especially for Sanchez, who's played a fair whack of games this season. But players that have come in and done the job, and that's exactly what Tottenham did. They did the job. I was actually going to ask you about uh, Joe Roden and Sanchez as well. So now you were uh, waxing lyrical about Joe's header yeah. late on. And I mean, it was really, really good to see him just come on for the final 10 minutes or so against Arsenal because he's trained really, really well all season, yeah. as Conte's alluded to a number of times in press conferences. But the minutes haven't been there for him in the Premier League. I think that was yeah. his second league appearance uh, all season. First one came against Crystal Palace. Crystal oh, Palace back, yeah. back in September, wasn't it? Yeah. So these were his first minutes under Conte, weren't they, the last two games? Yeah. 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 Uh, when he's been on Wales duty he's played really really well and you yeah. always have a, a number of Tottenham fans thinking how's he not getting the game but then that's just testament to how well Eric Dyer, Ben Davis and Christian Romero have done over yeah. the course of the season and Davinson Sanchez for me has had a decent season when they've yeah. seen him he's he's played really well and I think he's just been unfortunate that Christian Romero has come to the club and just been an absolute revelation in that right-sided yeah. centre-back role because Sanchez, when he has played as the central one in the back three, he's looked a bit shaky. Uh, he's much better on the right, and I think that suits him more. But that's what you need. It's a squad game. It's not just about 11 plays. You need those players who are on the periphery of the first team to come in when called upon and, you know, make an instant impact. Because uh, you've seen it numerous times when players aren't regulars and they come in and they don't take the chance then the minutes don't come the way again very often so no it's uh, really good to see those two contribute and for me it's just a bit of a shame the Champions League isn't al already wrapped up because it would be nice to see Joe Roden and Sanchez Joe Roden start at Carrow Road uh, on Sunday obviously Sanchez will be starting because Christian Romero is expected to miss the rest of the season so, yeah, uh, I know it's been a tough year for Roden and Sanchez, but they're ending on the positive, I must say. And then against Burnley, you know you know what type of game you're going to get against Burnley. It's always the same. It's always been the same at Turf Moor. Really nervy game at times. Always seems to be nil-nil, and then there's a, a late goal, which could go either way, and... No, Spurs managed to get the three points, thankfully, and at this stage of the season, it's more about getting the points on board rather than the performance. And, you know, that's what you uh, remember come the end of the season. You don't look back and think, oh, we played really well against Burnley, but didn't get the points. It's, you know, you just get the points and Spurs have uh, managed to do that. And that's why they're in fourth now, uh, going into the final game against Norwich. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was exactly what... 
Arsenal needed to do last night. It was it's all about those points. Um, do you know what? What I found fascinating was just how different the atmosphere was when you think about 12 months ago. Because Spurs' last home game, home game of the last season, um, obviously, was that terrible match against Aston Villa when they uh, they lost 2-1. And you had that horrendous, awkward, uncomfortable post-match atmosphere where they obviously they did this kind of awkward applauding the fans having lost. Harry Kane did what seemed to be at the time like a goodbye lap, walking around waving to everyone. And then... Everyone was expecting the proper lap of honour, which you normally get in the postseason match. And then suddenly, obviously, the Tannoy came out. Could you all please leave the stadium? And I think they even said the players will not be coming out, which then created this really awkward booing and they were leaving out chants. Some supporters didn't want to leave because they kind of felt, well, you know, we've put up with this all season. You're not even going to bring the players out to say goodbye to us and all that. And applaud because that's the thing. It's almost as much about the players applauding the fans for their efforts across the season as well. It's it's not just to say well done players and being rubbish in that matches. Um, and then yeah, then they're kind of like shoved out, like awkwardly shoved out from the side of the stage to like you yeah, go on now, then go go on for those remaining two hundred fans or so in your tracksuits. Go leave at them, which then left people who'd done what they were told and left the stadium really angry. And there was booze. And so you think back to then, fast forward 12 months, what a different scenario. You know, Antonio Conte has just changed the whole mood of that football club inside and out. I mean, the fans were singing his name from the second minute on Sunday. It was incredible. A whole stadium singing his name two minutes in. Um, and afterwards, you watch him because they, they put the compilation of the season up on the big screen and he's watching it and he's just, just a big grin on his face. You can see there's a kind of a contentment of, I think it's going to be, if he gets fourth place on Sunday, I think it'll be a little bit like, do you remember Mourinho would always say his second place at United was like one of his biggest achievements? I actually think Conte, with all the silverware he's won, could probably look at Spurs finishing fourth this season as one of his top biggest achievements. I'm not saying his biggest, of course, he's won league titles. But I think in terms of achievements of turning a club around, I think it'll have to be up there. Um, to be, you know, only behind, you know, to finish above mega-spending Man United and an Arsenal team that, yes, I know they're young and they've had some injury problems, but it was in their hands, Arsenal. And Spurs have managed to get to a scenario where they've beaten Arsenal and turned it around. Um, and, you know, and obviously European football as well, the the weirdness of the Europa Conference League that you had to deal with as well. Um, the issues off the pitch with... The COVID outbreak that ripped through the team, the stomach bug virus. This is the thing. We haven't even spoken really about this stomach bug virus that they had, which knocked out Dejan Kulusevski. Couldn't really start. He wasn't in a position to start. Um, Lloris, Galini, Winks, they all had this issue. They had fever, vomiting, stomach problems. Hugo Lloris started the game and made a really good save. Uh, was it from Cornet, I think, as well? It's like to play. And as I asked, Conte afterwards, I was like, how did Lloris play the match, having just had all of those symptoms kind of thing? He's just like, he wouldn't have had it any other way. He was had no intention of not playing in such an important game. Um, and that is, that's a leader. That's your captain. And I think that radiates to everyone else. Uh, and what was quite interesting was on the bench, he actually had Brandon Austin as well as Galini. 
purely because you know he's probably thinking in his head, well, what if Larice suddenly feels ill and Galini maybe is in the toilet but having, you know, problems and stuff and literally I'm going to have to throw on our young third goalkeeper. Um, yeah, it, it was. It was about doing the job. And then they kind of, they did, they got to enjoy it after. It just felt like such a different atmosphere to that 12 months ago. It had Harry Kane, like I say, 12 months ago was doing a farewell walk, which was really awkward and kind of felt, yeah, not right. And then this time, it just felt total opposite. He had his fans. It was like he was really enjoying the occasion. Um, he just scored another goal, you know, two goals in two games to get him back amongst the goals. It's like Fabio Paratici was even on the sidelines on his phone videoing things and stuff. <laughs> it was like, it was a real, kind of not quite a carnival atmosphere, but a really good, and everyone stayed, that no one had really left. Um, the awards were dished out, if anyone wasn't aware. Sonny uh, picked up all but one award once again. He loves to do the clean sweep with Sonny, and he absolutely deserves it. He's been phenomenal. I really hope he gets the golden boot. I love it if he, uh, I absolutely love it. Um, if he uh, gets those, you know, a couple of goals on on uh, Sunday, I think to be fair, I think every we'll we're gonna have that interesting situation of what happens if Spurs get a penalty um, in the last game, and I think it depends on the scenario. I think if it's Spurs are either behind or drawing, I think Kane probably still takes the penalty as normal, just because ultimately, and I think Sonny would agree, Spurs have to make sure of that fourth place, um, but. If they're up, I wonder whether Kane says to Sonny, go on, you have it. Um, I'd be intrigued to see what happens. Oh, and just before I let you um, uh, jump across to you, Stephen Bergwijn got the other award, which was uh, best goal of the season, which was his one against Leicester, which was <laughs> it was such a moment. It was incredible, um, and I absolutely understand that. Yeah, it'd be great if Sonny could get the Premier League golden boot, but I think because he didn't score against Burnley. I think Salah will get it, unfortunately, especially given Liverpool have two games, Southampton yeah. and Wolves, and they're probably like the two perfect games you could really pick other than Watford or Norwich because they just seem to have been on the beach for weeks now, both of them. Saints have been slipping down the table. Saints do like to lose 9-0, unfortunately, <laughs> as well. I don't and, like to, but I know what you mean. <laughs> and uh, Liverpool need the goals as well uh, to try and, you know, get ahead of City if it does come down to uh, goal difference come the final day. And then the Wolves at home is probably an ideal one. So I imagine Salah will probably get a couple, whether or not Sonny can get two or three at Norwich as well. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but I hope yeah. For Tottenham. I, I really hope he does it, but I think he might be Salah who nicks it now, unfortunately. And just going back to what you're saying about the incredible transformation at Tottenham on the Conte, it feels like it was seasons ago when Nuno was manager. Absolutely. And you're just going back like seven, eight months. I mean, that last game in October against Manchester United was dreadful. And, you know, thank God they changed it because at the time you're thinking if Spurs win this and Man U lose, Man U were going to go for Conte, but mm. they never did. And, yeah. I and know, but he, he wouldn't fit there, remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy. And even if you go back two and a half months, the defeat at Turf Bar, then what? 
a, a week later losing at Middlesbrough in the FA Cup and you're just looking at those performances you're thinking how on earth are Spurs going to challenge for the top four here they'll probably be lucky if, if if they get a Europa Conference League place again because due to the up and down nature of January, February and then the start of the match there's just going to be nowhere near top four they're just not going to be able to string um, a good run of results together to even put themselves in contention but a testament to Conte and the players they've really turned the corner uh, since March yeah there's been a couple of uh, low points notably the Brighton and Brentford games but other than that they've been fantastic and fingers crossed uh, they will be rewarded with some Champions League football uh, come next season yeah, it is one of those, isn't it? Where you can kind of really overanalyze sometimes those little drop points. Because I said last night on Twitter, it's like that late goal they conceded against Brighton at home. It's like they'd have actually been secured in that fourth place. You know, goal difference, obviously, um, had that not gone in. But then people quite rightly point out, as we just said, Stevie B's late goal at Leicester. You know, you can't, you can just overanalyze every game. You really can. And uh, yeah. fingers crossed they do it on Sunday. Yeah, uh, let's have a quick talk about the North London Derby because obviously we didn't do a podcast uh, straight after the game. This is the first one we've done yeah. since then. Obviously, brilliant night in N17, 3-0 win for Tottenham, Harry Kane getting two, Son getting uh, a really good goal in uh, the second half. Arsenal started well, first 10-15 minutes, Spurs were struggling a bit, just couldn't really get upfield. They were just passing it across uh, the back line and that frustrated uh, Spurs fans inside the stadium and Christian Romero's absence, I think, was felt in those first 15 minutes because yeah. he likes to get on the ball and get it forward. But then... Exposure as well, yeah. Yeah. Rob Holding, what on earth was he thinking? <laughs> I just... Oh. I cannot understand what's going through your head to foul Son three times and then, you know, catching with like your elbow you know what's coming and that was like minutes after his first booking yeah that's a time for cool heads and just to avoid anything stupid and then for obviously Mikhail Arteta and the Arsenal fans to be complaining about the decisions like (laughs) what what are you watching seriously and the penalty as well I know they've had the gripes about that but if you're looking at a replay Cedric not looking at the ball, not even jumping for it, and he badges Son in the back. It's a penalty, and there was a, a clip of it doing the rounds on Twitter, and they've actually clipped a bit out where all the contact is. <laughs> it's mental, honestly. How on earth you can have a go at the ref and that? I don't know. Look at your own team. Look at Rob Holding. Do not be blaming anyone else in that situation. Absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's just mad. It is. It's like <laughs> Rob Holding. There clearly was like a whether it was put onto him or he just decided off his own back. But it was a game plan just just to rough up Sonny. It was just sort of, I'm just going to you know not too dissimilar to Dan Kilpatrick on me um, in the game <laughs> yesterday. But it was very much uh, I'm going to pay him very close attention and give him a kick here and there. Although. To be fair, Dan didn't kick me. Did go into one sliding tackle when we were told not to do too many uh, sliding tackles out there, but that's fine. That's fine. It was a good tackle. Um, but yeah, and uh, 
I just couldn't get my head around what holding was doing. It was like it was a day for really cool heads. It was. It was for those whoever dealt with the atmosphere and the pressure the best was going to win the match. And it was like Rob Holding just decided, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to take this game myself and essentially just smack Sonny as much as possible. It was just madness. He, um, yeah, he could have, he gave him what looked to be a kick in the back to begin with when he was knocked on the floor. Um, you know, he'll, he could probably explain it away as I was trying to get around him or step over him, except he didn't. He just whacked him in the back with his foot. Then there was another moment soon after where he was hold, Rob Holding was holding um, on the floor, uh, Sonny, and Sonny was getting more and more annoyed. And actually, I think probably one of the best assists of the day was Harry Kane coming in there and pulling Sonny away because I think Sonny was getting so wound up, he might have done something he'd regretted, uh, he would regret. And so that was good from Kane. And I think maybe that was the difference in the two teams that Spurs' spine down the whole spine of the team, I felt, on the day, rose to the challenge. Kane and Son up front, uh, Hoybier in the middle, the back three as well. So I think Dyer was excellent as well in the middle. Um, and obviously, um, I think Lloris made a good save from, was it Nketiah, wasn't it? It was probably the only save he had to really make, to be fair. Um, and I just felt that spine, those kind of, they, they stepped up and they showed leadership. Even in that little moment with Kane pulling Son away, whereas no one in the Arsenal team did that with holding. And he just continued to get worse and worse and worse. And, and there was another moment where he was grabbing Sonny down the side. And then, yeah, what happened at the end? Let's get this straight. VAR checked that for a straight red because it was such a violent-looking action. The way he like slammed his... It was like a, it was kind of that area between his elbow and shoulder, wasn't it? It was just almost like smacking him right in the face. It could have broken his jaw. He could have knocked some teeth out. It was very unpleasant. Um, so, yeah, I don't understand why there's any complaints. Because that was the thing, Arteta's thing afterwards. He didn't seem to be complaining about the penalty as much. And he was trying to be quiet. It was like, oh, I'm, I can't say anything because I'll get suspended. Um, but then he did come out with a comment about the referee, or essentially it destroyed, the game was destroyed. Penalty doesn't destroy a game. He's clearly talking about the red card. Sorry, there's nothing. I mean, I can understand or you can have a bit of a gripe about the penalty and it's maybe a bit soft. But again, letter of the law, wasn't looking at the ball when he pushed him in the box. That's a foul anywhere else in the pitch. It should also be in the penalty box. But the red card, come on. I, mean, I, just, I can't get my head around it. Anyone that would say, you know, when you've made four or five yellow card-inducing challenges, how are you complaining that two of them got yellows? It's mad. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, he could have been sent off before yeah. for those first three challenges. It's just crazy. And then Mikhail Arteta's post-match comments, he was just thinking at the time, is he doing it to take the heat off his players or does he actually genuinely believe that Maybe they were in the wrong? But then I kind of, I poked the bear, didn't I, with Conte after that? Yeah, you did. And he went to town on, on Arteta, really, didn't he? He let Rip basically said, if you don't take on my advice, I don't care, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and then it was one of those where he got loads off his chest as well. It was yeah. uh, mentioned the Liverpool game that he didn't complain about Fabinho that. when he should have been booked and a number of other things. Uh, yeah, it was... There is an irony in the fact that Conte got booked during the game for complaining as well. Yeah. It's quite funny. But, you know, 
It was just funny. Yeah, I didn't actually meet. I didn't think I'd set him off on that kind of uh, rant. But, uh, hey, it was good for us as journalists. I think the Spurs fans enjoyed it as well. Yeah, uh, what a night in yeah. M17. Obviously, it was the first North London derby in front of a, a full crowd at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. There's been two there since it opened. The 2-1 win when Toby scored uh, yeah. a late header and then... 2-0 last season, I think, Son and Kane, uh, two really good goals. And then, there yeah. Was, few, just, was that the one that had 2,000 fans in front? In yeah, 2,000 yeah. in the south yeah. stand, wasn't it? So to get a convincing 3-0 win, brilliant. And that's really set Tottenham up for this uh, final push for a Champions League place. And I think it certainly delivered uh, a hammer blow to Arsenal in terms of uh, their hopes. Uh, should we have a quick discussion about Norwich before we call it a yeah. day? Yeah, that's coming up on Sunday. All the games starting at the same time, 4pm on Sunday as it is the final day. Will it be straightforward for Tottenham? <laughs> Can Tottenham do straightforward? <laughs> Although, to be fair to them, they kind of just about have in the last week, haven't they? Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what he can do with the team. And like I say, whether that bug spreads to anyone else, the stomach bug. Um, you know, we've spoken about Romero. I saw, I saw some comments from Conte where he said, he obviously he's told us enough times he doesn't believe Romero be fit, but he did say that in, in Romero's head, he's trying desperately to be fit for that final game. Uh, obviously, it's a hip injury he's got. Whether they feel that he can maybe with a, painkiller or so, a painkilling injection or something, just get through this game, I don't know. Um, I was trying to think, has he got much international football this summer? Yeah, Argentina have actually got a game against Italy at Wembley uh, at the start of June. Uh, I'm actually off to that game. I can't remember what they've dubbed it, but it's Copa America winners against the Euro winners. But Oh, yes, yes, of course. There's a number of, obviously, Nation League games. So I imagine Argentina will have uh, a few games coming up. And you know what? All the Argentinian players are like, they love playing for the country and they won't want to miss it. Well, if he feels that he could maybe get himself into contention for that game, then perhaps, you know... Perhaps he was going to be fine for those. Uh, I I just wonder whether Conte doesn't take any chances and he just sticks with Sanchez, who's in obviously a nice little run at the moment. Um, I presume Kulisevsky would come back in. I'm trying to think, Lucas. Lucas actually, now to be fair to Lucas, he, he wasn't obviously because he started against less. Was it less? It was Leicester, wasn't it? Leicester, yeah. Against. yeah. Yeah, and he wasn't very good in that. But against um, Burnley, had some nice little moments. He got a couple of good crosses into to Kane as well. Um, it, it was a better performance from him. But you'd imagine Kulusevski would come back in um, if he's fit enough to play. Otherwise, I probably can't see him changing out too much because you've got those seven days, haven't they, to, to kind of fully rest up as much as possible. Yeah, I think it will be a, a similar team. It's just, oh, it's just about doing the job. It's going to be until they can get that first goal. If they can get that first goal, it's going to be nervy. I think a little bit, and all eyes will also be on what's happening at the Emirates as well. But you know, Spurs need to get it done. They should, they should, and I do think it will mean such a big deal for the future and next and the summer and next season because I generally think. Spurs get top four. 
I think you forget all questions about Conte and Kane and things like that. I think they just go away. I think Conte, whatever, thinks okay. Because also, don't forget, you know, what would you say? You're probably going to looking at approaching £100 million more in finance. You know, I think Spurs know that that has to go towards the rebuild. I mean, they've got to pay about 60, 60 to £70 million on uh, Kulusevski and Romero alone to get that sorted. Um, and yes, I know people will say, oh, but that would have been budgeted in the previous windows. It's like, well, it's still all, it's still money that has to go out of club. Um, so yeah, Champions League stuff would be such a game changer. And I do think there'll be a little desire from Conte to perform better in the Champions League. It's clearly something that he's struggled with over the years as a manager for differing reasons, not always for his own um, faults. Um, and for Kane, that's just what he wants to do. He wants to be playing at the top level. I think it'd be huge. I'm almost like scared to talk about it too much because it's Tottenham and it might not still happen. But I just really think it would be so almost revolutionary to Tottenham for what they need to do in a summer when they really need to rebuild under a different manager with a make a squad that is fit for him. Um, it obviously it does. It does bring the slight downside in that you've got to have a very strong squad, so it's going to stretch them more. But then, you know, Spurs either way would have had to build a bigger, better squad. And this way, perhaps, it gives them the chance to attract even better players. If yeah. it happens. If it happens. Yeah. I yeah. to say that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think confidence is quite clearly flowing at Tottenham at the moment and I think it'll have just gone up another notch or two after the result last night and it'd have been great to see Antonio Conte celebrations last night when <laughs> Newcastle got the first and then the second because you know what he's like on the touchline and they'll certainly go to Carrow Road in confident mood and I'm hoping you know they can just play with confidence and just get the job done I think as you alluded to, just get that first goal, take that pressure away and then, you know, just kick on from there. And if they can get an early goal, it'll settle the nerves and fingers crossed on the next podcast, we will be talking about a Champions League finish because that's one thing that we're all looking forward to after two seasons away from uh, Europe's premier competition. I'll just say very quickly, talking of celebrations and one Tottenham Hotspur reporter I know last night did a knee slide in his front room at the second Newcastle goal. I'm not going to say who it is. I'm going to leave that to you. It was not me. And it, and it was definitely not Guesty because he was stuck on a train. But I know one Tottenham Hotspur reporter did. So I'm going to leave that out there to see if anyone can work out who it might be. Um, but yeah, I would love to have seen that. And also, no doubt, <laughs> the carpet burns on that person's <laughs> knee as well. So did you celebrate? You just didn't do uh, a knee slide? You do... A cartwheel no, no, I, I was. Um, no. I was actually. I was sitting on my um, sofa writing up some of the stuff from our day at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I, I think I said yes quite loudly when that second goal went in, um, just because uh, I know how much it means, uh, quite frankly. And uh, but it means nothing if they don't do the job on Sunday. Right. I think we'll leave that there for today's latest episode of Gold and Guest Tot- Tottenham. We will. Be back next week uh, to discuss the Norwich game and hopefully Champions League football. As ever, just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news.
Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus free threat protection, plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.